Ah, you obviously know Kung Fu. Hey everyone, this is Eric Jacobus, star of the Blindsided movie, and you're listening to Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Welcome to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Adjust your speaker box, sit back, relax, and remember, your Kung Fu may be good, but mine is better. Joining me today is Eric Jacobus, martial artist, stuntman, actor, the star of the short film Blindsided, which uh, won the Best Action Choreography Award from the uh, second annual Fighting Spirit Film Festival. Is that correct? Yeah, that's the one. Awesome. So, Eric, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me on your podcast. It's really cool. Cool. Uh, so, tell me a little bit about yourself. What's your background? Where are you from? Where do you call home? Where'd you grow up? Do you like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain? I love all those things. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm a, I'm a small-town guy from Northern California, small town called Redding. Uh, when I was a kid, I was kind of a geeky video game kid. Um, grew up on uh, B martial art films and also vaudeville movies. So I was a real, uh, I was kind of a, a, an old cinephile when I was a kid. I watched a lot of Laurel and Hardy and uh, a lot of Buster Keaton, Charlie Chaplin, March Brothers. My parents used to watch these things all the time, so I would, I would watch the movies that they watched. <clears throat> and uh, so I was a very like pure and clean kid up until... I think I was 11 and I convinced my dad to buy me Commando for my birthday. I don't think he knew what he was getting himself into. He said, okay, I'll get you Commando, but you gotta, I got I to gotta watch it with you. And uh, <laughs> he turned it off halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a classic movie, though, too. <laughs> it's still my favorite Arnold film. And uh, so, you know, I, I was a, you know, uh, I loved my action heroes growing up, um, but I was, I was a really big Jackie Chan fan uh, when, uh, when I finally saw his movies. And I was late in life. We didn't really see many, you know, Hong Kong movies in my town. And so, you know, we, we, of course, we had the blockbuster with the martial arts section, but those were sort of, it was pretty limited. And then uh, finally being able to see Jackie Chan movies really kind of changed my life because I was going to be a math major and I, I was a weightlifter. I didn't really do martial arts, had no interest in stunts. And then finally I saw Jackie Chan. And I just dropped everything. And I said, I'm going to, I want to do that. I don't know how, I don't know how I'm going to do it. But I think there was something about how Jackie Chan and these Hong Kong masters, they really worked with a small budget. And they made a compelling story with great action, with no money, just all passion. And there's something in that that rang true for me. You know, being you know in a small town and not really having any uh, any chance of going to Hollywood, about as good a chance as anybody, which is extremely slim. And I said, you know, let's, let's just do it on our own. And I started a stunt team in my uh, in my hometown with a bunch of guys called the Stunt People, and we made a bunch of movies. We made them for years and years and years. We did a feature film called Contour in 2005. Got distribution. I did another film with them called Death Grip in 2011, and, uh, and here we are. That's awesome, man. That's a great story. The vaudeville and the um, the Laurel and Hardy stuff, that's not typical for, for a kid. I, I used to watch Laurel and Hardy, but only because I had to, because my monster movies or my Three Stooges weren't on or something like that. Well, don't get me wrong. you know, I, I would rent horror films every weekend because our, our local store, you could do a five, for five movies, five days, five bucks, and I'd, go, I'd just comb through the horror section. And every now and then I get caught though, <laughs> because yeah, you get like one of the Halloween movies that was particularly bad or something, <laughs> and uh, and then it kind of ended that. So it was back to Laurel and Hardy. But I love Laurel and Hardy because I love the simplicity of telling that kind of visual humor, you know. Because even though Laurel and Hardy are pretty, you would consider them kind of just comedies, but still they're they're action heroes in a certain way because sure. their, their comedy is done with their body. Yeah, that physical comedy. Yeah. 
physical comedy. Same with the Three Stooges and all those guys really back then. Everybody did that. Every, almost everybody did their own stunts back then in, in a certain way. And that was, you know, it's kind of a, a time loss. Of course, they had to because couldn't move the camera around very easily. And right. Shots had to be wide. Um, they didn't really go in that close very often. And I think also the market wanted wide shots. Anyway, like, movies like that were really compelling because in the 80s, the camera was getting closer. You know, TV was shot very close to keep people from channel surfing away from that. You know, you pull the camera in close, that'll keep people on the station. But like watching Laurel and Hardy, everything's quiet again. It's kind of compelling. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's a very interesting way of making a movie. It's, it's difficult to pull off, but if you have the physical skills to do it, like Jackie Chan did, then you do that. Uh, Laurel and Hardy probably didn't have good insurance policies either. <laughs> what insurance? <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a sad story. You know, Stan Laurel was, not a he was not well off when he died you know, he was in this apartment alone you know a solitary man at the end you know and the the the, uh, the three stooges they had a terrible uh contract where they had a 20-year contract with the studios and they they were just kind of, they were you're, you're beholden to 20 years of work at that oh, point yeah right right yeah. Uh, of course the first few years of curly were great and then when they lost curly i think oh, we could go on and on and on but that's why mo was really the showrunner he kept on pulling new guys in like who was that? Uh, Joe later yes, on. Yes, and Shem. And Shem. Shem was great. You know, he was he was one of the brothers. Of course, uh, whenever um, whenever Curly couldn't couldn't hack it because Curly had his health problems. But but those were rough times, man. I mean, I don't know how people did it back then. It's amazing that they actually survived at all. Such a different time, right? You mentioned that you're obviously a Jackie Chan fan. Um, I'm a Jackie Chan fan too. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a Kung Fu film fan just in general. My, my fandom though started a little bit earlier than you. I'm, I'm a little bit older than you are. So like I started with the Five Deadly Venoms and 36 Chamber of Shaolin. So T. Long and, and uh, David Chang and those guys were the, the guys that I followed. But um, what about his films really appealed to you uh, other than his uh, willingness to really kind of throw himself into every project? I think nobody knew who he was until really Drunken Master. That was when Yu Won Ping really got his got his hands on him. And Yu Won Ping was a genius. He was a picking opera guy, just like Jackie Chan was. Up until then, everyone was trying to make Jackie Chan the next Bruce Lee. Right. And Samuel was sort of taking the reins on that. He did Enter the Fat Dragon after Bruce Lee died, and everybody was making Bruce Lee movies through the seventies. Right. Yep. Samuel had his own sort of way of doing it. He was introduce- introducing a lot of Hapkido into it, uh, and then he had Jackie Chan kind of doing little stunt roles here and there. And so Jackie didn't fit the Bruce Lee model. And I think, uh, in fact, nobody did in the end. Um, it was a, I think it was a failed effort. But what I think it did was with Jackie, you know, he came away. There was this underdog aspect of Jackie that I think you will ping saw in particular, you know, and Golden Harvest really saw money in that where we have an international appeal with this new kind of character who harkens back to the Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton days. And those are internationally famous films. Right. And when Jackie sort of found his, his he, he's a peaceful guy. He doesn't kill. Jackie is not a killer. Right. And when, when, when that revelation was made, I think that that's when his career became what it is, even to this day, for the most part. For me, because that's, that's the vaudeville style in a, in a way, too. You know, nobody in vaudeville was going around there was, there was no uh, Chang Chaz style, kill everybody. And right. The, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. Yep, yep, yep. I know there was a, there were a lot of comparisons uh, with his work to Buster Keaton of the time. And I, I mean, I had never seen a, a lot of Buster Keaton stuff, but when you put it side by side, you can see where he got a lot of his influences, right? Yeah, I mean, I think he, he definitely saw market, a marketability in the, uh, the daredevil nature of the stunt. I think, that's, I think it's half the equation. The other half is just the storytelling that he would, that he would give through his choreography and 
not being a killer, but being almost a pacifist. Yeah. You know, always trying to talk his way out of things. That became his brand, you know? Really did. Every fight from then on up until, and maybe recently now, it's it's a little bit different, especially after The Foreigner. I think we're seeing a new sort of turn with him. Right. I haven't seen that film, but it seems like that's going to be a new turn. But uh, what I I loved about him is his ability to get out of fights without killing somebody. Yeah, so uh, speaking of that, um, I came across your work as uh, an actor, obviously, in in Blindsided. That that wasn't you directing, right? That was just you, you starring in the movie. Correct. Yeah, that's that's directed by Clayton Barber. Right. And Clayton was the uh, was the producer of Ropadope, and he was really uh, the the one that introduced the idea of the Groundhog Day martial arts film, which I loved. I thought that I thought that movie and Ropadope two was fantastic. Thank you. So before Blindsided, uh, when you were doing your own stuff, you were you know, directing, writing, choreographing. Uh, you did Contour and Ropadope. How did all of those projects come to be? Right. And just just to note, you know, Clayton and I. Uh, Blindsided is a collaborative effort with us. He, you know, he, he directed it. We wrote it together and did the action together. So I, I'm just as attached to Blindsided as I am to these oh, previous cool. projects. Cool. Uh, and so your, your question was, how, how did it, how did it all come together? You think? Yeah. Well, I, you know, you can only wear so many hats and in a film like Contour, you know, some people have seen it. It's also called the agent right now. That okay. was the re-release title. Uh, yeah, that was an ensemble effort by everybody. Um, the fight choreography was essentially done by five of us or so. Um, and, uh, and it's really that collaborative energy that makes a film like that. And Rope It Up is the same way, you know? I mean, everybody chips in and, and really contributes to these things. It's almost impossible to actually wear every hat. It's on this level, and I, really on any level. I mean, I don't know how Charlie Chaplin could do that. There are <laughs> right. I don't know if Charlie Chaplin edited his films. He may have. I mean, it's not like editing to do, but um, but by and large, it's very difficult to wear all those hats at once. And part of the lesson of contour, because I went into death grip wearing every hat, right, and tried to do everything myself, and it was extremely difficult, and it almost ended my indie film career because it was a big loss and was not quite the success that contour was. Ah. and and that was a that was a lesson in wearing every hat and trying to take this as mine. Right, sure, fine, sure, fine. sure. And since then, it's uh, it's I've tried to go back to that collaborative spirit with Contour, and that's really how it's got to be done. And that's how all the successful, that's how any successful action project really happens. Any great action film in the past will be a merging of minds at some point. It'll never be just one guy with an idea. It's always somebody working with you know an outsider idea, take, taking inspiration from something. And I think that, you know, as indie filmmakers and as artists, we have to really pay homage and, uh, and have a collaborative spirit if we want to get anywhere. Let's step away from film for a second, because there was a, a series of projects that you ran that really was just all you. And you can, you can take us through that. But apparently you broke the Internet when you uh, connected with Tekken fans. And uh, you did this ongoing series of videos that uh, showcased characters' moves from the Tekken video game in real life. How did that idea come to you? I've done a video called The Kictionary, which is a 200 kicks dictionary. Yes, <laughs> with, yes. With, yeah, everyone's labeled. And I, I had never seen that. I had seen something done with judo or, uh, yeah, judo throws. And I thought, okay, why not just do one with kicks? I, I can come up with 200 kicks. Yeah, 200 kicks. Released <laughs> it. It was great. And then I was in China. I was trying to do a, a second one. And I was trying to find more kicks. So I, I, I can't really think of any more. It was really hard. <laughs> so I said, why not? What's the second? Tekken's got a lot of moves. And I start seeing a few kicks, and then I start thinking, what, what, if, 
it's interesting because people did this, right? I'm watching sure. the Tekken, the, the, the command training in Tekken where you just go through the moves and then somebody puts those on YouTube and you learn every Tekken move. And I thought somebody did this because these are all motion captures, right? Literally somebody was in a room with little reflective balls on their, on a, on a wetsuit right. <laughs> moving around doing these moves at some point. They got recorded. So what if you just did that again, but you did it backwards? You take the <laughs> video move and you just go back into reality just to show that it's possible, just to show what is possible. And I just started doing it. It was a weird idea. I did it in my garage. And my wife kept coming in and saying, what are you doing again? And I said, let me just, let me just do this, this weird, but I'm doing this tech. And she says, are you doing motion capture? I said, no, I'm doing the opposite of motion capture, but not really. And it doesn't make sense. But anyway, get out of here. <laughs> so I did it. And then, um, I did 20 of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because number, the second one, which is Lei Long, that one took off pretty quick. Uh, when IGN posted it, it right. got 2 million views in a day. Right. And, uh, it trended on Facebook, which is a big deal. That's awesome. History. So then from there, it picked up a little bit of traction on YouTube. And ever since then, I've been getting jobs in motion capture for major games. And I can't talk about which title I'm in yet, but I was just, I just completed a huge AAA title because of Tekken in real life, because the animals saw that, that a human and really anybody can do this. I keep telling people. Take your go. Take a GoPro. Take your iPhone. Go into the garage. Record yourself doing something from a video game. Do it over and over and over. Anybody can do this in a certain capacity. And they saw that, that uh, somebody could repeat moves from a video game. And why not hire this guy to do the moves for our main character in a video game? And I went in, worked for a year in this game. That's awesome. And I, I was actually going to touch on that. I read an interview with you where you were um, really kind of emphatic. In, in encouraging anybody with a vision in their head to just kind of get out there and just do it, put it on film, put it on audio, whatever it is, because that resonated with me particularly because I'm, I'm a podcaster, obviously. So what advice would you give to, to anybody out there that has something that they, they want to visualize, but maybe don't know how to do it? We all kind of have that dream of making the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, or we want to write that, you know, world-class book that sells on the New York times bestseller list. We always have these big dreams of huge things that we want to do. And at some point, we might go out and try to attempt these things and realize that it's practically impossible. The gates are so high mm-hmm. to accomplishing these things that really it's, it's, it's no surprise that they only happen every, every so often, right? There aren't all that many huge Hollywood movies. It's very difficult to make one. So whenever we get inspired by something like Hollywood, for example, but then we see a message. Like for me, the method was the Hong Kong movie style. Right. What I, I wanted to make American films. I didn't want to make Hong Kong films. I wanted to make American films. I don't speak Cantonese. <laughs> I don't have a Chinese sentiment. I wanted to make American films. But the only American films that I knew were the B films of the 80s. I didn't have enough money to make those films. Because the way that they did it was very... It, even though those are low budget, they're still expensive. Sure. You, can't, you can't do it here in a small town. But you look at the Hong Kong movie style... And these guys are just piecing action together with these individual shots. They're not really focusing too much on lighting. They don't care about the main star as much as they're selling the action. Right. So I took that model. I looked at that and I said, that's the model. I'm going to apply that to American, the American sentiment. And I just mixed the two together. And there it was. So I was able to make my martial art dream movie, but I used a different model. Right. So I, I always tell people, you know, watch everything that you possibly can. Always take inspiration from 
not not just your favorite, you know, AAA titles. But watch a lot of low budget crap out there too. Watch a lot of stuff. <laughs> if you want to make movies, watch bad movies. Sure. I, I think you should. I think it's really important. If you want to make martial art movies, watch bad martial art movies. There are some great ideas in there. It doesn't mean that they're good movies, but you can still find some kind of model in there. Right. I think that I think that some of the best filmmakers out there are really the ones that watch the, the shittiest movies. Like Quentin <laughs> he talks about how how many movies he watched, and you listen to the movies, and he's like, he's talking about these really low budget Italian movies and monster movies, and all, the, all these inspirations are it's like they're junk. And then he makes now what, look where he's at, he's top of the world now. Right. Or, you know, I mean, you say what you want about his latest film, but nonetheless, <laughs> that's where the guy's at. So right. I think that that's really important, and he's very open about where he takes his inspiration from. Sure. And so, you know, that, that's, that's sort of the observational aspect of it. And then in terms of actually implementing it, you have the technology in your pocket to make a movie. Like, sure. You have the technology to make a podcast as you're doing. You know, everybody's got pretty much everything they need to do any kind of art form now. And it really is a matter of kind of getting over the fear of ridicule the fear of uh, YouTube comments, things like that. I say, do it, put it out there, see what they say, use it, use what they say. Right. Take the hate. I like hate mail. <laughs> I love it. I love when people hate on me. I love when they say, you know, white boys shouldn't be doing this or you're, you're stupid, you suck. I love that stuff. <laughs> I love it. You're a masochist. <laughs> well, no, because I'm not, I'm not doing it to degrade myself. I'm sure. doing it to get better. Sure. And I always took the advice. Yep. And now, whenever I put a, a video on YouTube, it's between 1% and 2% thumbs down. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's great. But, that, but that's a 17-year process of seriously taking criti- criticism. Not, not from academics. I'm talking about from average people. Right. Listen to the average person. Listen to the angry kid in the basement. Seriously. Yeah, he's got gripes, and not everything he says is going to be good, but hear him out. Sometimes he'll say something that's truthful. Don't listen to the stuff that's not truthful, but if there's something that's true, listen to it. Listen to the criticism. Oh, that's great. That's great advice. Let's talk about the uh, that influence again, uh, the, the martial arts influence. Good movies, bad movies, whatever. Um, there's There are shows out there now, Into the Badlands is out there, Daredevil. Uh, maybe it's just me because I'm kind of more attuned to that, but uh, I feel like martial arts is kind of springing up again. Not the way it was in the, you know, the Kung Fu era of the 70s and the 80s, but uh, I think that it seems to me anyway that it's it's popping up a little bit more here and there. Jason Bourne has been doing it for a while now without people knowing that it's it's martial arts. But um, have you noticed that or has it always just been there and I, I didn't notice? This whole thing for a lot of us started in the 90s because there was nothing really good coming out. Right. Between 95 and 2003 or something. Mm-hmm. There wasn't really much coming on, coming out because Hong Kong had, I'm sorry, I'm kind of going around your question, but I'm going to come back. No, that's fine. Totally fine. Hong Kong in 1997 kind of died out because of the, the handover. It went back to Chinese control. That's why you have Yu Ping, Corey Yoon. They all moved to America. They did amazing stuff in America. Right. The Matrix is the result of that and a lot of other martial art movies at the time. And, you know, that kind of late 90s era, um, it, was, it was a low. Uh, and I don't really know what was going on in America at the time. There, uh, there, there, it was definitely a lull in um, B film. You know, like you didn't really have the Van Damme at mm. the time. Mm-hmm. You had a few, but of course, the B film industry died with Blockbuster. So again, in the in the mid '90s, when Blockbuster came in and they basically took over all the mom and pop video stores, you know, the mom and pop video stores were what fed the the B films and the marsh, you know, those crummy martial arts films that we all love. So it 
so when Blockbuster came in and ate those out, well, Blockbuster only buys the AAA titles. And so what are you going to do if you're a, a small distributor? You can't really sell your film now. So, yeah, no, I think it's been a problem for sure up until the mid-2000s or so when you had a lot more international competition from Thailand and mm-hmm. uh, Indonesia started coming up and Korea really came up around that time. And I think that that's a huge, that's a huge benefit to the, the, the global action world. And so it's a, it's a mix of mixed martial arts that's become very popular since, yep. the, since the mid-2000s, really. Now everybody knows what the triangle choke is, which is a weird situation to be in. <laughs> I'm from a small town, so when I go back to my small town, these rednecks say, yeah, you know, put them in a triangle choke, and then you do some, you know, some tagari, and then I wouldn't milk it. <laughs> like, do you know what you're talking about? Oh, you do. That's crazy. <laughs> like, these guys must know that language now, which is really good, because as a filmmaker, now I can talk to them right. with my film. So, so that's, now it's actually a really good situation because everybody knows the genre. So, but that also means that we have to keep innovating. Right. And, you know, you, I know that there is a, there's a lot of innovation from Korea right now. Indonesia really, you know, they, they really sprang up with some new ideas. I think if you're just kind of regurgitating the old stuff, it's not going to bode well. There's some people that aren't, that aren't doing it really well right now. Like, um, you don't have to say anything if you don't agree but yeah no like because iron fist uh is on netflix right now and i was really looking forward to that you know i wanted to see martial arts really showcased by a a character that you know i grew up with as a kid i I really want to see a a martial arts superhero out there um bruce lee was the closest that we had to a martial arts superhero when i was when i was younger so iron fist was was something kind of exciting for me but it's out there now and it's it's lackluster at best a lot of it is because the martial arts just aren't really there. And people who don't even know martial arts know that something's missing. Yes. Yes. And that's a, that that can almost be sub subconscious too. In the average person's eyes, they're watching something that they don't quite recognize as martial arts. Right. And you see them kind of cheating, you know, with the, with the camera work too. Right. Cause you know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't quite know. And uh, you know, whatever the, whatever the choreography is, I, I heard that there are some stories that he, he didn't get to train as hard as he, as he wanted to. But so it, it just feels like we had an opportunity there as martial arts fans to, to get something out there and showcase something really cool. And it kind of fell flat. So I, that, that makes me a little bit bitter. Cause I really want that, that big martial arts project to, uh, to make it cool again, I guess. Yeah. The um, the action team behind Iron Fist is very good. I know them. I'm sure. They're really good. And I know some guys that worked on that project. This isn't me just sucking up to them. They're really good. But there are a lot of things working against you when you're on a set like that. When you're on a Netflix show that's Marvel, you have two, you have two conglomerates working together. Now, you as an action director, fight choreographer, how do you, uh, how do you leave your stamp on that? Right? So if you come in... You say, I want to do this fight scene. I got this great idea. You, you put together a masterful fight scene. Okay, your actor's not going to show up. Okay, great. He's not going to train. All right, we can shoot with the double. Okay, we shot with the double, but uh, now we're in the editing room, and now they want to show more of the actor. So what do you do? So they like hack, they hack the fights together, and what may have been a good fight originally, now it's hacked up because they wanted to put the actor back into it. Right. You know, this is, this is the death by committee that you have to be careful of when, um, when you're working on such huge projects like that. Sometimes it works beautifully, right? Sometimes they get it right. I think that a, a good example, I mean, Daredevil certainly isn't the same. Right. Right. You can see the action. I mean, they even got away with some single shot, single one takes 
Right. Where Daredevil is going down the hallway and all that. You know, I think that worked with uh, with with Daredevil is because he wore a mask. <laughs> if you put if you put a double that actually knows you know martial arts and all, the the audience is cool with that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's. I mean, I think I think after Iron Fist, I think a lot of action teams might have looked at that and said, okay, this is what we're getting into if we are doing a superhero movie with a guy who doesn't have a mask on. Right. <laughs> and seriously, I mean, that's that's going to now enter into the rhetoric. Among sure. in the stunt community, they're going to start questioning this stuff. Like, well, how do we make this look good? Right, right. And um, when you have when you have a, a monolith like Netflix and Marvel, uh, I mean, they have so much control over the final product. Like, you can't you can't really swing your weight around as an action director. It's incredibly hard, incredibly hard. So I, I think that you know if we're if we're going to start looking for, I mean, Netflix is is not our Lord and savior when it comes to action, you know? Sure. Uh, I think that, and you know, I, I know I've been watching, I've been waiting for iron fist too. Everyone was talking about it for years, right? There was talk about Ray Park doing it. And yeah. I mean, we're talking about it for years and then it comes out and it's like, ah, the, the risk of taking on a huge IP like that. Um, when it's such a big IP, uh, intellectual property, then, they have to put a big actor in it. And yeah. it doesn't have a mask on. Now you get that. So. Sure, it just feels like a wasted opportunity. I just wish they could have. They would have looked at it a little bit more and, and uh, maybe considered an actual martial artist. N- not that Finn Jones is terrible. He's a fine actor, but yeah, I-, I wanted to see that kung fu. Yeah, of course. I think that, I, and I think that's the new audience. I do. You may have been able to get away with this show in the eighties, right? I mean, you got away with it with David Carradine and the kung fu show, right? The guy can't really fight, but you sell it on the story yep. and that was the audience back then. Right? People didn't really care about the Kung Fu. They wanted to see the drama, but now not only you don't just have Americans that you're appealing to or Europeans, you have the whole world that you're appealing to now. Yep. And, but even in America and in Europe, you know, people are pretty savvy with martial arts. They want to see it now. Yep. And that's, that's what MMA has changed. That's what the global action film marketplace has changed. It's, it's opened our eyes up to what, what is humanly possible. And then when we see, you know, Iron Fist and he's doing, we don't know what because the camera's too close. Yeah. Then we feel cheated now. We may not have felt cheated twenty years ago. Right. All right. So let's go back to you. Who would you have liked to work with, or or want to work with still? And uh, is there a dream project that you still have kind of percolating in your head? Um. So I would, uh, and I would love to work with John Salvini. And John Salvini was a uh, a major force behind Flashpoint with Donnie Yen. Okay. And sort of bringing MMA into Hong Kong films. And he's a uh, he's a he's extremely good. I would love to work with him someday. I'm hoping that I'm hoping that something happens. Um, he's extremely talented, and you know I I would love to work with Jackie Chan too. Of course, everyone would. Sure. <laughs> um, but I think in terms of cutting edge, uh, John Salvini is like on the cutting edge of mixing that uh, kind of I don't know. It's almost like He's kind. Of, he kind of choreographs messy fighting really mm-hmm. well. You know what I mean, like, I mean, in in Flashpoint, there there are these weird moments where it looks like they're kind of missing, and it's getting and they're punching at the same time, and that's extremely hard to choreograph. And mm-hmm. when you have a mind to be able to do that, that's really uh, it's something. Um, and you know, working with Clayton Barber, uh, who directed Blindside, you know, Clayton choreographed Creed. Oh right, right. So I'm in good hands with him for sure. Yeah. <laughs> You know, he's a fight coordinator on Black Panther. Um, Which so, looks amazing. Yeah, you know, and the action's going to be great. You know, Marvel Marvel feature films are going to have great action. Yeah. 
you know, they don't have to cut it up as much because you're in the theater, you're locked in, you know, so they can hold on a little longer. So uh, again, a little bit more about you, martial artist, stuntman, actor, filmmaker. If you had to describe yourself with those words, what order would you put those in? Uh, I really think like a filmmaker first and foremost. Yeah. Okay. I would say filmmaker first. And then uh, after that, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a stuntman in the traditional sense because I don't fall off and of, fall out of buildings. I don't, I don't crash cars. I don't set myself on fire. Those guys are really stuntmen. Right. You right. know, um, I call myself a stuntman because that's the, that's sort of the terminology now, but you know, we, we, you look at the old Westerns with these guys doing bar fights and then they fall out the window, they catch on fire. Like those guys are stuntmen. <laughs> they really are. So, so I don't know where down the list stuntman would be or where actor would be. I really, I really am a filmmaker first. And I'm a, I'm a fan that goes in there somewhere. Sure. Just want to, I just, I just want to, um, I'm really, I'm really a market oriented guy. I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to change the world. I'm not trying to enact policy with films. that really want to entertain and do good stories. And that's, that's been a big inspiration that Clayton has given, which is a uh, story, story, story. And that's what sells blindsided so well is the story. Yeah. That's a great story. Yeah, and that was, you know, that's that, that's his hand. So, um, I would love to be a better storyteller, but I do think more like a filmmaker first, and that's how I craft action scenes. That's how I, uh, it's how I act sometimes too. Like if I know, <laughs> like if I know that I'm going to edit out <laughs> thoughts that I'm work that I'm doing, I may not perform it. <laughs> you know, like sure. I'm, I'm so like wrapped up in the editing and the yeah. writing that sometimes it can it's difficult to take that hat off, right? Right. <laughs> yeah you know the shortcuts right so yeah yeah i'm kind of thinking <laughs> through distracting some you ready to do a lightning round oh uh, yeah all right ready best kung fu movie Drunken master 2 worst kung fu movie uh, um uh there's a dragon lee film i can't remember what it was called but it's a, it's a dragon lee movie where he plays bruce lee oh nice <laughs> and i can't remember what it's called though all right favorite fight scene is it redundant for me to say the end of Drunken Master 2? No, it's fine. Totally fine. It's, uh, that's a great movie. Oh, uh, the end of Dragon Lord. End of Dragon Lord. That's my favorite. Okay. All right. Hardest Tekken move in real life. Anything do- that Eddie does. <laughs> <laughs> here's, here's a rough one. Ready? Bruce Lee versus Jackie Chan. In a, in a fight? You, however you want to answer. Oh. Uh, Bruce Lee, fantastic storyteller. Jackie Chan, uh, fantastic um, uh, at morals. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bruce Willis versus Jackie Gleason. Ooh. <laughs> uh, Jackie Gleason's a lot funnier. Yep. And, uh, and he's a great pool player. <laughs> uh, Kung Fu or karate? Oh, shit. Really? <laughs> Damn, that's tough. That's tough. That's tough. I, 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 hate, I hate to say, well, one in this situation, this one in the other. I can't. I can't do kung fu. It's it's, it's extremely hard. I okay. can take karate though. Okay. Uh, I don't know what to say? I'm gonna get something to kill me if I say one or the other. <laughs> All right. Uh, kung Pao or Szechuan? Szechuan. <laughs> uh, and uh, this one, uh, I'm hoping you get right. What's the best podcast out there about kung fu movies? Oh, it's this one. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Driving podcast. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> All right. Um, so, what is next then for Eric Jacobus? What do you have in the in the pipeline? Yeah, this is going to excite you. We got the sequel to Blindsided coming up. That's awesome. And uh, we are. I was actually 
editing it today. And we are pumping out the final draft this week. And then it'll go to color and sound and music. Very and then cool. it'll be out. Is there a Rope-A-Dope 3 at all? Man, not yet. Okay. <laughs> Maybe someday. Maybe someday. And uh, that secret project for a video game that you have going on? I don't know if I can talk about it. Okay. I guess it's on my IMDb. If it's on my IMDb, can I talk about it? I guess I can. If if it's on there, I guess you can. I mean, it, that's that's public, so. It's public. It does say that I worked on God of War on IMDb. Oh, wow. Very cool. That's a big deal. It was a lot of fun. I can't <laughs> wait till more stuff comes out, and then I can talk more about it. Nice, nice. All right, that's all I got. Eric Jacobus, thank you so much for taking some time out. Um, I, I know you got to get uh, get going, but um, it's really cool. Best of luck with uh, the rest of the projects you have going on. Uh, I hope to see more stuff out of you. Uh, I'm looking forward to Blindsided 2. Blindsided is a great short film. Rope-A-Dope 1 and 2, I, I have to say, honestly, I laughed out loud at the end of Rope-A-Dope 2 when they punch each other out. I don't know why, but it, I, it cracked me up. I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> thank you. And Blindsided 2 is going to be called Blindsided the Game. Just so you know. Nice, nice. All right, I'll be looking out for that. Um, again, best of luck. And again, thank you for sitting and uh, taking some time out to talk with us today. Thank you, Jeff. That was a lot of fun. Huge, huge thanks to Eric Jacobus for sitting down to talk with me. What a great guest, great talent. I'm really looking forward to seeing more of his work in the very near future. Head over to YouTube and check out Blindsided, as well as Rope-A-Dope 1 and 2. They're great action shorts with touches of humor and lots of style. Or try your hand at his Tekken in real life moves. Just be careful. Because, you know, if I tried any of that, I'd wind up in traction. Seriously, I jumped to a conclusion once and threw my back out. I'll leave a link to Eric's YouTube page in the show notes, so head over there and show the man some love. Anyway, if you enjoyed this interview, hit me up on all the social media, the Twitter, the Facebook, the Instagram, the email, the smoke signal, whatever, and just let me know. Or hop on over to iTunes and leave a review and a rating. It really does make a difference. Shout out, of course, to my castaways on Podcast Island who are super supportive and who teach me brand new phrases every day. That cannot be repeated in mixed company. Until next time, Poison Clan. Peace. Poison Clan rocks the world. On the hands running down the thousand stairs The fate of Lee Khan now's in King Yu's hands With the fearless Aida roaming over the land Yeah, the little bitch soldier is older and wiser He wants a world of peace because he doesn't want to fight Yo, got the venom mob laying down the law Bruce Lee delivered kicks guaranteed to raise jars Fight for the cars, then pass here the blast On the end back kicks will defeat the outlaws Very good, but boards don't hit back Yeah, the death jewels here, David D is coming back The Tai Chi master, Jet Li's even faster The channel little Drink because he is the drunken master Once upon a time a shiner Rosamund Kwan is real fine But see Maggie Chung is finer Golden Swallow has arrived Chan Chi movies will the hero will survive We've got the brave archer Make his way to the top Of the mountain gonna fight May as well pick the spot Yeah the sky goes black Cause the vampire's back We've got Lam Ching Ying to kill them all So stand back He plays the black magic On the soul of the sword 
And our sword will travel until his body's on floors Yeah, Wing Chun Shaolin and Mountain style Yeah, defeat the enemy and watch him run for miles Blood will spill now on the mountain tops When we bring back the soul of the legendary pops Welcome to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting ha. This time it's warm We smash the place up with a dragon claws We walk into the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting ha. This time it's warm We smash the place up with a dragon claw See it's a game of death yo You're facing the big boss It's once upon a time in China counting the TikTok The Shogun Assassin's Lash and Blood just drip drop The head kick, neck drop, balance the bone stop Wanna kill Bill, better get the assassins He's got her just in yellow But she is in the dragon but in the tea rooms That's where it'll happen She got the bodies on the floor When the blood it'll splatter against the wall No fear at all, to kill them all There's always blood spilled when you head into a war Fearless Unleashed The fist of legend that the car jet leave I'm Bolo Young, yo, I'll always be a beast You rumble in the Bronx, yo, I'm rumble in the streets And it's simple, see the facts are these There's only ever gonna be one Bruce Lee Welcome to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting ha. This time it's warm, we smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting